What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Damp Valley coming at you with the second mailbag and final mailbag of this week and the sixth podcast, or is it the seventh of this week? It's the seventh of this week. Uh, either you're welcome or I'm sorry. I don't know which one it is. I split this mailbag into two parts because we had so many great questions from Discord. We will dive right in soon. Just a user reminder, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. If you're new to the channel, like all our videos, comment, help the algorithm, love us back for a change. Uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast player for the first time, consider throwing us that permanent subscription. Uh, I know we have a lot of new listeners um, during the off season when not a lot of podcasts are putting out content. It means the world to me that you're here, but definitely please consider staying. Uh, as we get into the season, there's more content coming out. I try and do the best job I can to be thoroughly unserious here, but also thoroughly cover the league as well. We have a lot of fun in our Discord, so go join that. The link is in the podcast and YouTube description. All our social accounts, follow us there. That's in the YouTube and podcast description as well. Um, the biggest thing you can do, though, is subscribe on your podcast player, download every episode, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, help us get to at least, I would like to get to like 100K subscribers at one point, but help us get to like 2K plus before the season starts. We're not terribly far away from that, just a, a few hundred subscribers away there. So help us out on YouTube. And if you've done all those things, word of mouth still helps us recommend us, retweet our promos. You could shout us out on Twitter and post a link to something we've done that you like, or, you know, a clip um, that you enjoyed. And I will retweet it and uh, engage with you. If I see it with that out of the way though, let's cannonball in to this mailbag. A lot of fun questions in this one. We begin with unbiased Pistons fan, which NBA player has the worst sneaker design and which player that doesn't have one needs to get one in parentheticals. Jesus Christ, please start the NBA season. I feel, I like hate having to pick the worst one, but so I went through them before I did this. And I think, Donovan Mitchell, the Adidas D-O-N issue, I didn't like it. It's just like boxy, and some of the colorways were cool, but it feels like they should look sleeker. Uh, and and it's probably because he doesn't want them to, but like I prefer – like I don't like the LeBrons. I just wasn't going to pick LeBron. Those just seem like bulky as hell that I don't like. But the Mitchell one, Mitchell's sort of skews that way, and it feels like if they were lower cut or a little bit slimmer, I could like them. And there's just like his nickname with Spider. It feels like there's – you know, some of the designs have actually been pretty cool from what I was looking at in the, in the specific colorways, but it feels like the sneaker itself could be so much more creative and just have a better uh, aesthetic when you're, when you're looking at the actual, the shape of it and maybe just the, the heft from afar. I'm not saying it's heavy. I've never held one, but not a fan of it. Uh, which NBA player needs one? Luca just got one. So if anyone is just wondering why he's not the pick here, I think John Morant, Anthony Edwards, Tatum, Devin Booker, they all kind of deserve one. It seems like Devin Booker's content to just continue rolling with the Kobe's and uh, some of the, like the, the shoes he wears are, are pretty cool. But like either one of those four, I think are the obvious picks. The one I would like to see, just the one I would like to see because he might be the most stylish person in the NBA. Let's give Shea Gilgis Alexander a signature shoe. Please. Like, what would that look like? Would there be like floral print on anything? Would it be mixing like bright fluorescent pink with neon orange? I just, I feel like it would be super badass. Let's just give Shay, uh, let's give him his own signature shoe, shoe. Like, maybe even just a lifestyle shoe. It doesn't have to be a basketball shoe, although I'd like to see them wear them on the court. I do, I guess I don't. I was about to say, could you make like a, um, a weight training shoe. Like I was in love with the Nike Metcons for a while. Now I tend to work out in Converse's unless I'm doing cardio. So if someone wants to give Shay a Converse deal or something, and then can we make a Shay Gilders Alexander, uh, Converse Chuck Taylor, 70 color or Chuck Taylor. What is it? Six. Whatever. The classic Chucks is what I wear low cut 
I want to see the a, a Shea Gilders Alexander colorway. Colorways plural because I will buy them. That's just flat out. Torgruff uh, asks, I listen to a few hours of NBA podcasts a week. Parentheticals, thank goodness for yours almost dairy, daily during this dry spell. Thank you, Torgruff. But I still don't have a great hold on cap sheets, how contracts are structured, etc. How did you learn all this stuff? And what would you recommend to someone who wants to learn it? So it's different because I do enjoy it, but I had to learn it for my job. So I did pour over. Uh, and there, by the way, there are people that are way, 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 way better than me on this. I want to make that clear. I don't consider myself an expert. Brian Toporek. Uh, over at the NBA podcast slash also my coworker at Bleacher Report. Fantastic with it. Eric Pink Pinkus, also co-worker at Bleacher Report. Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue are great with it as well. But I would recommend you can Google it. If you need the link, uh, I'm not going to include it in the description just because uh, it, like some of the podcast players don't actually like include the, the physical link to it. So that's not going to help you. But Larry Kuhn's CBA FAQ, that does a lot. Like you can read through it or you can sort of uh, you bounce around, search certain terms. Like if you're looking for like bird rights, like just command F on your Mac or control F on uh, your, your desktop and you know, search bird rights and you can read up on, on that stuff. So that really helped me a lot. And I still go back to it to confirm things to make sure that, especially when I'm writing, when I'm podcasting, it's a little different. Uh, you guys point out when I make mistakes, but it's just like, this is, we're all friends here. This is informal, but I'm not trying to get fired from Bleacher Report. I understand that I have a very cushy gig there. Um, so that helped a lot. I would also recommend like contract details. If you're following guys, it helps a ton like Keith Smith over at Spotrack. And then just the Spotrack details on the contracts um, are spectacular. You can click on a player. You can see the incentives, the scale to which their, um, their raises are coming in. Uh, if you, and they also have cap sheets. And so if you're trying to understand like where the calculations are coming from with the salary cap, you may have to spend some time around, build your own spreadsheets with them using that data or just looking at theirs and seeing it, but you can, they really do a good job breaking it down at Spotrack and the CBA FAQ is a really, uh, a really useful resource. I also will say like, if you, uh, hoops rumors does a good job of keeping track of the traded player exceptions. If you're trying to understand how those work. And if you want to know how a TPE works, you go to the Larry Coon FAQ. And now I feel like that's all overwhelming to kind of just throw at you. And so if you're a fan tour of a specific team, I would say, the resources I've thrown at you, the CBA FAQ, um, use there. If I had to say which cap sheet to use, go to Spotrack and use the cap sheet that they have listed there. Read through it, study it, try to figure out what your what the actual um, like cap space that they have. Like challenge yourself for this next year to understand how much cap space will the Orlando Magic have it projected right now, 2022 and 2020, uh, 2023. And Spotrack will give you that number. Um, there are people like me who have like my own spreadsheets, but I'm relying on all these other people for information, but use that number and then kind of see how they arrive to it because they do a good job of breaking it down. And there are things like, and don't be afraid to ask people if you're having a specific, like I will try and answer as many questions as possible. I know I go a while listeners, sometimes not checking discord, not checking my DMS, not checking YouTube one. There are too many social media, uh, the things that I'm monitoring, but like I'm around to answer quickly about that. Uh, it can be like, and sometimes you forget stuff. Like sometimes I forget to cake in like a minimum roster charge. Uh, and you have to go and find like what a minimum roster charge is going to be projected that season. Real GM. If you search real GM salary cap, one of the first links that come up will be the projected salary caps, the mid-level exception, the, um, uh, like the minimum contracts for players, the mini, mini mid-level exception, uh, the luxury, uh, tax that like, you know, so what the hard cap's going to be, 
that stuff is great too. And I think all the terminology that I'm throwing out there, the biggest one I would say is the CBA FAQ. Because if you're hearing hard cap, if you're hearing uh, mid-level exception and you need to understand why a team is using that or can't use it, like CBA FAQ, um, search for those terms and they'll come up. And, and that's how I really did teach myself. And then read like the people or listen to the people that I, I talked about uh, because a lot of them are writing. Danny LaRue with The Athletic, if you have an athletic subscription, will do a lot of cap breakdowns all the time. They do it on their podcast as well and dunked on all the time. Brian Toporek writes it. You can get it free on Forbes. He's always writing cap breakdowns. Really, go read. Brian Toporek is actually one of the best around at doing this right now just because it's not behind a paywall. Go check out. He's really doing it a lot with the Sixers. Go back and read some of his stuff about how the Sixers were able to afford PJ Tucker while re-signing James Harden. Like he had that mapped out before it actually happened. So that would be a recommendation too. If this was too rambly for you, hit me on the side. Um, but that's how I learned uh, the at least the the base of knowledge that I have, and I'm I'm still learning with it, still forgetting things. Uh, and it's I'm since I do enjoy transactions and the theoretical, or at least looking forward, it is something that like if you enjoy it, I think it makes it easier. Um, but I can understand my like throwing terminology when I listen to like yo know, some of the things that they say, like Dunker Spot, what a fantastic podcast! Like some of the stuff they throw out there when we're talking about X's and O's, I have to look up or rewind it and try and understand what they were saying. It's like when I'm watching play breakdown from Caitlin Cooper writing spectacular. Thank God she's such a good writer. So I can understand what's happening. But like, I have to watch the clip she's showing a lot of the time to see what's happening and understand that. Um, that's, that's how you learn. And sometimes it's just uh, that stuff still makes me shaky, but that that's how you go about it. In my humble opinion. I don't know if any of that sounded humble though. So if I came off like a, like an ass hat, my apologies, Saint underscore Dealy. Space Jam LeBron is in a new video game brawler with a lot of under other Warner Brothers characters. If you were creating an NBA fighting video game, which players would you need on the day one game roster? So I wanted to limit myself. I went with current players. We had some in the Discord. There are people who like named the Malice of the Palace players and Ron Artest was in there. Uh, so I went with current players and I built what my starting five would be. And I don't give a shit about position. Like I just want, I want to win in this fight. These are the five that I settled on. Giannis, Kyle Lowry, and come on, anyone. I love Kyle Lowry. Even if you don't love Kyle Lowry, the dude is tough, and he will he will scrap and claw and play dirty if he needs to. P.J. Tucker, I don't ever want to fight P.J. Tucker. Steven Adams, that might be the toughest guy in the NBA. He's leaned down a bit, but like there was a point where you could do just like pull-ups on his biceps. And then there's Zion Williamson. You could actually do pull-ups on his biceps. I don't know that Zion has this reputation as being tough, he is a built like a brick walls, brick wall. Even if you think he's out of shape, which I don't like, I'm sure that's been a battle behind the scenes, but like we've seen what Zion kind of looks like in shape. And that dude is just like a fucking marble statue that is somehow mass and like peaks on like and the explosion. If you think that Zion doesn't cut it, I could see like a Jay Crowder in here, but my five would be Zion, Giannis, Kyle Lowry, Steven Adams, PJ Tucker, what would yours be? Let me know. Discord, Twitter, whatever, YouTube comments. Um, that was a fun one. And I, I'm i really liking I, my non-negotiable inclusions. I think Giannis, Steven Adams, and PJ Tucker is like, you might be able to talk me into some others other than Zion or Kyle Lowry, but like, I'm going to need Zion, Steven Adams, and PJ Tucker in this. And no, I don't want fucking Patrick Beverly on my team. No, no thank you in this. Thibault Defensive Player of the Year is Harden's status as a former 
in parentheticals, superstar hurting Embiid's MVP chances. Assuming this season he can ad adequately replicate his success in Brooklyn. He then said, I'm very interested to see what you hear, what you have to say about this, given what you said on the last podcast uh, when you gave out the Sixers grades. Spoiler alert, I gave them an A and so did, so did Grant. Um, here's my thing. If Harden is actually worse, I think it only helps Joel Embiid's MVP chances because he's going to be viewed as someone who doesn't have to carry Harden, but uplift the roster more than you would expect with another star. And I do think there's the issue of cannibalization when we get here where it's just like it's harder for, you know, when Golden State right now, it's not harder for Steph to be in the MVP discussion because he's no longer playing with Kevin Durant. Luka's on his own. But like if you're Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing a full season together, if you're Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, separating yourself gets harder. Uh, Giannis is different because the two stars below him are just not on the same plane. And so when you're dealing with stars that are equals, or at least like, let's just say two top 20 players, which I think at some point, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, I don't know if it was at the same time. I probably might've both had them in that area, but they're not consensus. When you're talking about Paul George and Kawhi, Kyrie and KD, like at their peaks, they're all consensus top 20, LeBron, AD, consensus top 10. Uh, although I don't know if AD is a top 10 player anymore. Talk about some tough questions to ask. Uh, so, but do I think like, the fact that Harden, I still think, is going to be really good. And just looking at some of the moments of bursts he had, I know it wasn't constant in Philly. Let's give the dude an offseason where he's not changing teams, where he's actually happy with his situation. He's with Daryl Morey again, has P.J. Tucker, Daniel House there. He seems to like playing with Joel Embiid. His workload is just, it's arguably lighter than it's ever been now, too, because you have Embiid. And, like, you went from Houston, where, yeah, like, Chris Paul, I think, was most helpful to him, and he adapted his game a lot for Russ, but... Then you go to, like, you were still the guy, and you still had this in absurdly high usage rate, and were tasked with doing so much. And we know that Chris Paul, you know, was injured at um, the 2018 playoff run, I think it was. Like, or just had, like, the hamstring stuff going around for them. And then Russ was just imperfect for a huge part of the season. They had to change the makeup of the roster. You go to Brooklyn, where, like, injuries plague you during that three-quarter season, whatever you're there. Um, you yourself, but then just also Kyrie and KD as well, you're banged up. This past season, Kyrie's not available. Kevin Durant gets banged up. You seem like you were visibly banged up slash you quit on, on the team. So now let's put you in Philly. Yes, Joel Embiid, iffy, spotty health as well. But like, if you're healthier and this is like the spot that you now actually want to be in, he might be the best player on the team. Like that's not, I just want to make it clear. Like, I, I think that the conversation about Harden being this former superstar has gone too far off the rails. If he's really not, you know, reports are that he's in great shape. Yeah, it's all this offseason sh uh, shit. You know, gained 10 pounds of muscle, but still single-digit body fat. Had the perfect offseason. If he's still, like, not taking care of his body now that he's on the wrong side of 30, yeah, I get the concern. But, like, this, this isn't someone who went from an MVP candidate when he was with Brooklyn. That first season, like when he finished that season, he kind of worked himself into the outskirts of that conversation. Th that like these drop offs, they're not that steep when there's no like real underlying cause and like a serious injury. And if his hamstring is just fucked, okay. But I really think I would bet on on Harden winning MVP before Embiid this season, and mostly because the odds uh, plus seven thousand, like that's that's something I think I'm not. Don't take this advice, but like you invest in that and then you sell it back to the sports book because they're worried about that hitting and you take a smaller profit. That's, that's where I'm at with that. So I, 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 but if to the point of this question, assuming Harden is what he was in Brooklyn, that first season he was there. Yes. It's harder for Joel Embiid to win MVP because I do think that there's, um, there's overlap and voters 
And we've seen it with Jokic. And this look, this is part of why Jokic was my MVP. Like I view uplifting a roster that doesn't have a star, a, a fellow star with you to being a fringe contender is actually harder than uplifting a team with another top five, top 10 NBA player uh, to contender status. Now, maybe some people disagree. And depending on the, the season that Joel Embiid is having or vice versa, that could change. But if Harden is the player that he was when he closed, when he was healthy in Brooklyn, not this past season, but 2020-2021, it's Harden who's going to be more in the MVP conversation than Embiid, in my opinion. And I, I think a lot of that's just going to have to be with the agency, the control that Harden has over the offense in those situations where... Uh, yeah, they'll be like, you'll run the offense through both of them and you'll stagger their minutes some, but he's going to be the one that I think is like, and I'm not thinking like we just know the ball is going to be in his hands first when you're getting into crunch time. Maybe you still run stuff through Embiid. And again, we saw Harden, I think, adapt more than people will credit him for uh, when he had Russ with the Rockets. Like he's still going to be the go-to option unless he's completely cooked. So if you're telling me that James Harden is still a superstar, the superstar that he was when Brooklyn first got him, then yes, I, I, think it definitely hurts Joel Embiid's MVP chances with without question. And look, that was part of the appeal for Embiid the past two years. It's just, yeah, the, the Sixers were were really good, but last season it was because Ben Simmons wasn't there and Tyrese Maxey was your second best player. And then just even with, uh, the, you know, in 2020, 2021, Jimmy Butler had left. Uh, like Ben Simmons was, he had like some really good moments through that, that stretch of the year. But, you know, Joel Embiid was the, he had to lead this like heliocentric existence. And for the most part, and just the fact that he did more and there weren't limitations ascribed to his game and he didn't have a teammate who was in the same vein where his, his second best teammate was considered flawed in Ben Simmons. Like that's going to help you too. And so I'm trying to think of like another example where like, it would be like Trey young. Like it was kind of on that, like, because the gap between Trey young and John Collins is probably about the same between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. We're talking about that season. Maybe that's a, Maybe that's a terrible example, um, but you're not close to when it's not like a co-equal, you know, De Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Phoenix. And there's also, I think, a certain caliber of player you need to be that voters are just going to eschew, but that's a different story altogether. So I would argue I'm investing in Harden's MVP odds because I'm probably, I'm a risk taker at this stuff. I don't, I consider myself risk averse in life. Uh, although I am doing something at the moment that I, is probably just actually fucking stupid, but that's a, uh, uh, delirious right now. Please just ignore that. So, so I'm risk averse in general in life, but like when it comes to this stuff, I'm starting to trust my instincts a little bit more or take more chances when I'm making predictions. If I actually believe I'm not going to just, uh, you know, subscribe to, to group think or the general consensus. If I really don't believe it, I just feel like this could be a bounce back year for Harden because of how far perception has shifted. And that almost helps his MVP chances because the baseline or his, his floor has been set so low. And we're just assuming not we, but people are just assuming he's hit that floor. So, but to answer your question, uh, Thibault DPOY, I know that I went on this long rant. Uh, I do think that Harden status, if he's actually, you know, worse than he was, during that time in Brooklyn. Like, if he is not the best... If Embiid is the best player on the Sixers by a minor margin, it's a problem for his MVP chances. If the gap is actually wider, like it was, yeah, for most of James Harden's time in Philly this past year, if that's the Harden you get all season, Embiid is going to be right in the thick of the MVP discussion. But if Harden is what he was with the Nets, I would just argue, not only does it hurt Joel Embiid's MVP case, but Harden might have a stronger one than him at that point. 
Lance Robertson, and this is a question I did not get to on one of the last mailbags. I forgot about it, but I remembered it here, so I do hope you're listening, Lance. Uh, who is the most likely team to disappoint expectations this season? I think my initial inclination was to go with Dallas or Chicago, but I don't know that expectations are high enough for that. I do still kind of lean towards Dallas because they have Luka, and teams are just going to, uh, people will tend to think, oh, top five, seven player, whatever he is, like he'll, they'll navigate out of it. They just, you know, they got to the conference finals and, you know, Jalen Brunson isn't a superstar, so whatever. Uh, fair. Uh, so I'll throw them in there if the expectations are still that high, but I do think that the consensus is still sort of low on them. I, I think it's going to be the Grizzlies. Just if you're, I don't want to call them the Hawks, that team that made it to the conference finals and then fell off a cliff this past year. I think they're better, more sustainable than that, but you just had the second best record in the league. And if you're expecting them to replicate that type of success, if the West is healthier and by extension deeper, and you're dealing with this Jaron Jackson junior injury, and you're now relying on your internal development even more because it's not just, Oh, we have John Morant, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson jr. You're at a point where like you need, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams, like two of those guys to play pivotal roles. And that just gets a little, a little iffy. And so that's my pick. I've been pretty upfront about that for a majority of the offseason. I'm prepared to be wrong because I've been wrong about the Grizzlies for, for three years running. And I, I just hope Grizzlies fans don't take it as an insult. Uh, I, Jaw is fantastic. Uh, I saw on Twitter, someone said that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just like Miles Turner with a different green light or something. I just think he's better than that when you look at what he can do offensively. Um, so I remain high on the Grizzlies long-term, and they could be just as good as they were last season technically, but the win total might be significantly lower. Um, Haitian Mamba DM me and asked, Hi, my friend. Hope all is well. Mailbag question. Unsure if you're familiar with the WNBA playoff for format, but their first round is a best of three with the higher seed getting first two games at home and if necessary, the last on the road. I am familiar with that. Thank you, though. I kind of love that format. Could the NBA, one, go back to round one, best of five, and two, could they adopt a format like the WNBA's first round to make the first round very exciting and give lower seeds more of a chance of upset? So, I let's answer the second question first. I don't th think the NBA is ever going to do best of three in the first round. They might sort of, you know, elongate or extend the play in to make it that route. Um, and that's almost what it is for certain teams. Like there's one, you win one and you're in, and then other teams have to win two. So like two in a row to get in, but maybe they adopt a different format for the play in. I don't think that'll ever be the first round. I, I love the WNBA having the best of three first round because it bakes in, that opportunity for randomness, which I and upsets, which is great. Uh, the NBA dropping down that low, like I, best of five, I would love to see it just because it increases the likelihood that you get the upsets in the first round. But I think the NBA likes the idea of the best teams being able to win the title. But I, I do think that if you're that much better than a team, uh, you should still be able to beat them three and five rather than four of seven. But I would love the first round to go back to to best of five. I don't see them doing it to cutting the gate revenue. And like I said, they, or at least publicly, they'll say like, Oh, well this, you know, it makes it harder. We want the best teams after the bot. They want the regular season to matter. And it matters just a little bit less. If it's all of a sudden best of five in the first round, but from a chaotic perspective, hell fucking yeah. Give me best of five. I will say what I don't like about the WNBA format. And I'm, I'm sure it's done to cut down on travel costs. I don't like two one. I like one, one, one because not having the, like the, the higher seed have that uh, like final home game, have home court advantage in that. I, I would go one, one, one to do that. But I do, I do enjoy that format. Uh, next question comes from, <laughs> I'm going to save this one for last. 
uh, says it's just a fun light one. Um, this next question comes from, I don't know why I don't have oh the name. Oh, this question comes from BJ Dunkster, AKA Anthony. So it comes from Anthony, excuse me for stumbling through that. Who are some guys you think are most positioned to make or break their teams this season this year? I'm thinking teams who either probably or definitely will be in the playoff mitts mix. He then sent me uh, a thread of his thoughts and we do have some overlap. Here, I did frame it like this. I'm looking at it, and I included health. I'm going to just rip through some of the easier ones quickly. But players that are the difference between their team maybe being title contenders and just not being completely out of it. And like the, the actual, they have more question marks than if they do have if they do have other players on their teams where you could say, oh, what if, Le, I, like I don't have LeBron or AD on this because it's what if LeBron or AD gets injured. I'm thinking about like we, less known quantities if they're healthy and also like they are the the bigger uncertainty on their team. So we'll start off with this. Uh, I have Kawhi with the Clippers just because he missed so much time. I'm going to have him instead of Paul George, even though Paul George missed a bunch of time. But if you have Kawhi being Kawhi available for the playoffs, you're a title contender. If you don't, you might be a title favorite. If you don't, you might not even be a playoff team. I think they'd still be a playoff team, but you need him. I have Michael Porter Jr. with the Nuggets, and I'm hesitant about this because I don't think they need him to be a contender. But I do think if he's healthy, and playing like up to what he was in 2021, we're talking about a title favorite, a juggernaut here. And I'm assuming like you could go MPJ or Jamal Murray here. Uh, I think the Nuggets need at least one of them to pick up where they left off to be in that upper echelon of contention discussion, which isn't a spicy take. And so I'm going with MPJ. I think I'm not really worried about Murray. It's just MPJ's back stuff. It's been dogging him his entire career from before he got to the NBA. Uh, if he's going to be fine, and he's going to be the one that continues to pro progress. The Nuggets all of a sudden go from like interesting, cutesy contender, uh, Dan's title pick, but people think he's an idiot, to, oh, they might be among the top three title favorites. I have James Harden with the Sixers as well. We already went through that. Just perception of him seems to have um, just devolved so much, so appreciably over the course of the past year. If he is James Harden like he was in that first season in Brooklyn, what he, what he was for most of that time in that season in Brooklyn, like we're like the Sixers need to be put in tier one of contenders in the East. Like we have Boston and Milwaukee and then everyone else, I think rightfully so right now, uh, like the Sixers would belong in there even more so than the heat, more so than the Raptors for me. Um, I have Ben Simmons with the nets at this point, because if they're going to keep Kyrie and KD and that's like, I don't want to pick anyone for the nets and you could say KD's health, but Ben Simmons, if he's healthy, he just brings a whole new dimension to their defense and they have enough shooting to make that roster interesting. Even if I don't love the idea of Simmons on offense there, because if you're putting the ball in his hands, you're taking it out of KD or Kyrie's, which they're capable of working through, but that's not something you want to do too heavy handedly. You need Ben Simmons to do more off the ball. I would say most likely as a screener, which we just haven't seen too much of in his career. So there's that element to that, but just if he's healthy, that team could be a, like their outcome is winning a title, but it could also be playing. Uh, they're more likely to be in that upper echelon of team though. If, if his back is holding up and then these last two uh, are the most interesting to me. I have Zion with the Pelicans, which I guess is kind of duh. And the Pelicans might make the playoffs. If he's not good, if he doesn't make progress, if he's not healthy, Zion was an all NBA caliber player. Last time he was healthy in 2021. If he's getting better because he's still so young, maybe craftier with the ball in his hands. Maybe he's hitting some set threes this year. Maybe his off ball attention on defense, like the detail is just so much better. Like the Pelicans, are, you know, the way we're talking about the Timberwolves, you better start talking about the Pelicans there 
as well, too. And then Anthony Edwards with the Timberwolves. Just, I think, the key to that team, because I, I do believe we know what Carl Anthony Towns is going to be on offense, no matter what. We know what Rudy Gobert is going to be on offense and defense, no matter what. And we sort of know what we what Anthony Edwards is or can be. Is he that guy yet? Because we're talking about him in the vein of this might be the All-NBA leap. Is he going to, I don't want to say remain on schedule, but is he going to continue progressing as much as he did last season, where he became this defensive disruptor, and if he makes a step up there, maybe improves his sort of passing guys open rather than just reacting, but let's you know being proactive and anticipating more as a playmaker. And I argue they need him to do that, unless you just think D'Lo and Jalen Noel and Bryn Forbes are the secondary answers there. Uh, but he can elevate the Wolves. Like he, to me, is actually the. We can talk about the dual big, and how that's gonna. I think playoff defense is what you're most concerned there. I, th- I think it'll be fine on offense. Like that matters. But the actual key to the Timberwolves hitting their ceiling, I think a successful Townsend Gobert give you an incredibly, a fairly high ceiling and an incredibly high floor. Anthony Edwards is the one who will set what your actual highest ceiling is. And so those are the players I have to answer this question. Zion with the Pels, Harden with the Sixers, Anthony Edwards with the Wolves, Simmons with the Nets, Kwai with the Clippers, and MPJ with the Nuggets. I, I tried to keep myself to just five uh, players for five teams. I went to six because, let's face it, Let's face it, y'all. All it's it's me. Final question. This comes from Austin. Next mailbag question. I already answered it in the DMs. But where did the Frank N buy come from? Is that like a common Knicks fan joke? The answer is probably not anymore. But when he was there, it was just the running theme was a lot of Knicks fans were frustrated with his lack of opportunity, the inconsistency behind the way he was used, and the opportunity in general. Uh, I still think there's a quality basketball player there because when you're inserting him, like in defensive situations, because he can be so good on the ball and disrupt with his length and, and even just some of the, the gambles that, that he makes um, figure out a way to use him on offense. And I think the biggest key for him is like, yeah, you don't want him putting the ball on the floor. There's like a smoothness to his game sometimes, but it's not if there's, I love him, but there's only trace elements of it. If you could just hit a set three and is all of a sudden just like this three and D point guard who isn't insufferable like Pat Beverly at this point um, or three and D guard, whatever you want to call it. And I just think he has the potential. Prime Beverly could defend up. They're not good player comps. Just throw that out the window. But I I still think there's a quality NBA player in there. And I will die on that hill. I'm probably currently dying on that hill if you ask most of the people around the league. But it was a Knicks fan joke because uh, he just never got a fair shake in New York. And I'm not saying Dallas used him any better. But hey, he was non-guaranteed in there as far as, like, I think it looks like they're bringing him back this season. So he, he belongs on an NBA roster. We'll see if he ever sort of becomes a regular rotation player more than this spot minute specialty guy. It comes down to what he's going to give you on offense because he can be a net zero. Um, but there's, he has moments where it's like, Oh, if he just did that, like four out of 10 times, instead of like one out of 100, wherever it is, like he imagined the type of player he would be. Uh, this was a fun second part of the mailbag. Again, if this is your first time checking us out, please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, all the mediums like this video on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. If you are new, it helps me out a lot. Uh, and also follow us on all the socials, join the discord, tell people about us, retweet our promos, shout us out on Twitter, the whole nine, the whole 10, the whole whatever until next time. And like always, I leave you with the shout out to one, the only, the player I just waxed or rambled incoherently, but also poetic about Frank Nielakina.